This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. Skipped away from Rafinha, right across the face of goal, and in! United go 2-1 up! It's Rafinha. Lewandowski! Got the little flick on it! Barcelona a level! Hello listener, this is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics dedicated Manchester United podcast coming to you in the immediate aftermath of Manchester United's 2-all draw in the Europa League playoff first leg at the Nou Camp against Barcelona. My name is Karl Anker and I'm stepping in on hosting duties for Ian Irving and joining me in the belly of the beast are Andy Mitten and Laurie Well, Hello gentlemen, how you doing? We're good mate. Hi Carl, you okay? I'm doing very well, thanks. <laughs> Hopefully you can hear us. There are some lawnmowers just on the pitch of the new camp. Uh, they're about to bugger off, I think. Yeah, we hope that the lawnmowers are going because obviously they're pretty noisy. Not as noisy as the travelling Manchester United fans who've just left the stadium. They were high up on the third tier, 4,200 of them. But there were four lawnmowers and we're now down to two. And if they go off in that corner now, I'm going to celebrate like a winner. <laughs> <laughs> While we wait for the lawnmowers... Let's have a quick digest. Uh, Laurie, what time did you arrive in Barcelona this week? Um, it was quite late, actually, yeah. I got a flight uh, landing about uh, 9.40 local time, and it was a bit of a party plane, to be honest. It was a Ryanair flight, taking off from Manchester at 6.40. Andy's going to celebrate in a second, because he's getting get off the They're going down the tunnel, <laughs> and we have silence They are they're going in the new camp. One Beautiful. of them's going, turn that lawnmower off, your Yes, there he's turned go. it off. He's turned it off. Result, we've got perfect sound for this you. It's amazing, we've got strong Wi-Fi. When with the third tier of the new camp, we can see Mezca Un Club. Have yeah. I said that right, Andy? No. No, but we'll continue. <laughs> and I'll I'll get back to my party plane anecdote because uh, you know, you, you know if you're getting on a Ryanair flight at six forty from Manchester Airport into Barcelona for a Man United game, it's there's gonna be alcohol, there's gonna be chance. Um I, I sort of felt sorry but also sympathetic for a, an air stewardess called Chloe 
who they took a shine to and they just did loads of songs about Chloe, basically. She serves to the oh. right, she serves to the left. You know, that girl Chloe makes, and then her uh, colleague, you know, I've said it the wrong way around there, haven't I? She serves to the left, she serves to the right. <laughs> that way it rhymes. <laughs> but yeah, I landed it. <laughs> have, I, have I saved that, Carl? <laughs> I'm doing sure the fingers with my hands sure now, just focusing drinking, on my left and right. Drinking with them, mate. I'm drinking all <laughs> it's night. Just, it's just this altitude of being so high up in the stadium. <laughs> it, it's doing something in my head. Uh, but as Andy touched on, that kind of support that was there from the United fans on, on my plane, getting into Barcelona, then continued throughout the day-to-day, right, in, in the city centre. Yeah, and then also, as Andy said, up in the, up in the third tier, they, they kept them behind for a lock-in for, I don't know, was it, is it like an hour afterwards? Half um, an hour, probably. And, and they were singing songs. Paul Scholes was here, BT Sport, Pundit, Pitch Sides. So they were singing his song. They were singing about a particular night in 99 that was kind of special. Um, and at that, at that point, the, the players that were substitutes are kind of doing their warm-down. So it's quite a nice image, really. Um, but yeah, an entertaining game, right? A fun. Oh, it was a great game. Fun evening. Oh, it was, I thought it was a brilliant game of football between two teams on the way back from a bit, a bit of a slump, and we've just come out of the press conference, Carl. Mm-hmm. And I thought both managers were very interesting. I thought Javi Hernandez was extremely complimentary about Manchester United. He described him as one of the best teams in Europe, and he repeated that a few times. And he praised Ten Hag, he praised the way that Manchester United were a danger on transitions. So he's sort of, um, he, he, I really like listening to Javi, there was good humour. I thought that Eric Ten Hag wasn't quite as graceful. I think he was a bit angry uh, at some of the refereeing decisions, as was Javi. And Eric Ten Hag was saying, look, we could have scored four goals here. And yeah, that's true, but Barcelona could have scored more goals as well. Uh, my takeaway from this was that it was a brilliant game of football, which lived up to the height in front of 91,000 people. I thought it was a cracking game. So the Knicks are claiming that might have been the best attended Europa League game in history. Um, I'm always going to take Xavi's compliments to Manchester United with a slight pinch of salt, considering he did play in uh, two Champions League victories over the club. Yeah. Uh, but your comment on Ten Hag being quite angry, I found quite interesting. Last couple of games, Ten Hag frequently bats away questions about refereeing decisions, but he seemed to really go in on this one this week. Yeah, he did. And actually, it, it was probably my bad that I didn't ask him about it sooner because we had a couple of questions from Samuel Lucas, Neil Custis asked a question from The Sun, and then I got the microphone and, and asked him about, Ve- about Vegos playing in midfield and then sort of asked him you know, whether or not he was uh, proud of his players or disappointed that they hadn't actually taken the chances. And he sort of started answering and he went, Anyway, the referee, and sort of you could see that he'd actually been waiting for someone to ask him about the referee this whole time, and he was still still really angry, wasn't he? I mean, he got a booking for his protest during the game, and he continued that. And the kind of specific thing he said was that he felt the referee was influenced by the crowd. It was a it was a good crowd, as Andy said. You know, the fact that this is a Europa League playoff game, and you kind of think this is almost beneath Man United and, and Barcelona, but actually it was a really great opportunity for both of them to show where they're at and and sort of in these these arcs that seem quite um, progressive um, and so he, Ten Hag felt that that crowd was, was on top of the referee and he didn't you know he made that decision based on that I don't know I, I think Rashford was was going through at speed I've looked at it again it probably is a foul it, but it's, it's not like one that's so egregious that you'd think you know that that referee needs to be looked at. Um, you know, I know Barcelona have uh, paid a referee uh, yeah. a few years ago, uh, or sorry, a consultancy fee. One point uh, four million so euros that, that, that came out yesterday. But you know, for I, nothing, by the way. For, for nothing. Well, for for yeah. advice, yeah, it for was, advice, wasn't it? Yeah. So, for advice, if um, if you're listening to this and want to know more <laughs> about why Barcelona have paid such a fee, 
uh, our good friend Paul has written a piece on the athletic. You can check that out in a bit. Good Should we just get into it? Should we just get into things, right? Let's start yeah, the yeah. first half. So, yeah. team lineups get announced at uh, half four UK time. It's Luke Shaw at centre back next to Rafael Varane. Malasia left back. Juan Basaka at right back, which is quite interesting. Fred and Casemiro in the middle. And then what we found out later on would be Val Veghorst as the number 10, Jaden Sancho on the left hand side, Bruno Fernandes on the right, and Marcus Rashford up top. Um, Laurie, I'm going to go to you first. You think Tanel got that right? Um, I think he did, yeah, because really United played pretty well, didn't they? And they could have easily won this game. And certainly in the first half, when that was when the, that particular formation was sort of showing itself, um, I think Barcelona were kind of a bit confused as to how to handle it. Um, and particularly the chance that Vegos got I think came from the fact that he was starting in midfield because he, he kind of ran through to Bruno Fernandes' his through ball as Rashford was coming back and the kind of Barca defenders were kind of more focused on Rashford and, and kind of forgot that you've got this sort of six foot five inch striker that can score goals <laughs> we've seen him score one goal for Man United and, and sort of one offside goal um, and, and you, but you just felt that was that could have been a really great moment for him. I mean, scoring in the new camp, wow! Um, and it was a good finish, but you, you'd think good he, save as well. He could save, but he should score. Should have scored, he? yeah. And Javi Hernandez also tried a bit of trickery because mm. he played Araujo mm-hmm. at right back. Yes, he did. Which is not normal at all. And he admitted afterwards that that was for the surprise. I was more surprised by the Barcelona lineup than by the Manchester United one. And so they're both at it. They've both got a lot of similarities as managers. I think it's to their credit that just sort of statistics, 18 attempts, attacking attempts. Uh, I think that shots from Barcelona, 17 from Manchester United. Absolutely love it when they're both going for it. And I think there's a spell in the second half where United were getting on top and I thought they could pull away here. Then Barca got that goal. There's so many subplot sidelines. Marcus Alonso... Who put United ahead? I was supposed to interview him last Friday, but his father died, so obviously he couldn't do the interview. He doesn't score a lot of goals, and he scored, and he looked up to the sky, and it was obviously a very special moment for him. But it didn't last long because Marcus Rashford scored, and then Manchester United went ahead. Great, great game. Good atmosphere in the city of Barcelona on the day. Lots of people without tickets, Carl. Really hard ticket. Mm-hmm. Really, really difficult ticket. They weren't seeping through really into the market. I know one guy just kept trying and trying and trying and he's the type of guy you would get where water wouldn't and he just sent me a message 10 minutes into the game and said I've had enough this is a disgrace (laughs) blaming the club (laughs) for him not getting in and he sent me a picture of himself at the start of the second half at the top of the away end he said I just ran as fast as I could got away from all the stewards (laughs) and then I'm looking at him at the end of the game like commenting on tactics I'm thinking this is brilliant This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. 
Uh, I want to circle in on Marcus Rashford. It's 14 goals now in his last 16 games. Conversation now, is he the most informed forward in Europe? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I saw you say in our Slack channel, I'm sort of going to peek behind the curtain to borrow your phrase, Carl, uh, <laughs> calling him world class. And I think I think we're getting there, right? I mean, this yeah. has always been the... The, the the projected hope for, for Marcus Rashford and you've always felt actually no there's, there's this element to his game that isn't quite right and but now he seems to get the ball and know what he's going to do with it straight away and, and be a force on the field like sort of scare other defenders really and I know he had that chance in the second half where he, he sort of snatched a bit at it I think that second touch of his didn't allow him to cut the angle and, and he kind of lashed it into the the, the um the stands, but I mean the the, the you know the, the goal that he scored to begin with, and then the, the second one really where he's absolutely embarrassed Rafinha. I mean he made that goal just for his invention and his skill and his his kind of desire to to beat a man. Um, but yeah, I don't know what did you think, Carl? I think he. I said that before. I think he's really getting a great understanding of when to go near post rather than trying to put it far post. So he did it against Nottingham Forest in the first leg. Uh, and now he, you're seeing when he gets one-on-one the goalkeeper he's got more than one way of scoring I think maybe two or three seasons ago he maybe had three ways so he'd hit with a power or he'd go far post and that on restart finish but now he can go near post he can score with his head he can go weak foot as well so I always thought there'd be one point in Marcus Rashford's career uh, you know, where we'd go yeah that's world class it might last a month or it might last half a season but I think we could go that is a football player who is at world-class form. And we're getting close. I, th- I think he is this season, Carl. I think he has pretty much... He's been better since Ronaldo when... I don't think he was last season. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was the season before. No. But this season, he's quite rightly being praised for... He's become prolific. And he. We, when, we, when we were talking before the World Cup, we that was not a word that we were using. He's the most talked-about player among um, opposing managers... Xavi mentioned him several times and there's one other thing with him it's not an easy forward line to play in I know you've got someone like Casemiro tonight playing behind you but all those players around Marcus Rashford are any of them having truly great seasons I don't think that they are this isn't Cole and York and when it's not working bringing Sheringham and Solskjaer Mm. has Jadon Sancho had a great season not really Uh, Garnacho is still coming through. Anthony Martial is injured. Cristiano Ronaldo has left. Valverde has just come in. So it's only really Marcus Rashford. Imagine how much weaker Manchester United would be without Marcus Rashford because he's a player who can decide goals. He can do those moments of, of brilliance. He did it tonight in camp now. If you're doing that in front of 91,000 people, then you're world-class. It, it did call to mind York and Cole, didn't it? Because they were having such fun on the pitch here in 99 or 98, yeah. 99 um, and it looked like Marcus Rashford was having the yeah. same kind of fun trying things you know being creative and, and sort of showing off really I mean it was like his own playground it was it was great fun to see to come to their manor and to boss them Barcelona have not conceded a goal here all year so to do that and to look so comfortable doing it and then to run in the corner the opposite corner to the one that Andy Cole ran into so he ran into a, a corner where there were supposedly supposed to be no Manchester United fans <laughs> but there were lots of people smiling there I don't want to get him in trouble uh, down in the main stand to the right how could you see that all the way from up here you can, you can see smiles can you purely white I, just, uh, <laughs> I, I know people who were down there oh right I see okay right I see Let's go from talking about one Manchester United player who might be world-class to talking about one Barcelona player who nearly went to Manchester United. This was a pretty good 
chance for United fans to get a glimpse of Frankie de Jong. How was he, Andy? I'm going to give it to you first. He tried the balls which have come off in other games, but some of them were being cut out by Manchester United players. I thought United played him pretty well. I thought Tenag knows him well. Tried to thwart him from doing what he does best and don't think he had as much joy. It was more difficult for him when Pedri went off because Pedri's such an important player for Barca. And I know Sergio Roberto came on and, he, and he's versatile and he can play absolutely everywhere, but he's not Pedri. Gavi, I used the word tenacious for, for him on podcast before. I put that with a capital T now. He's an absolute nutcase, in a good way. I think he's a great footballer. He is surprisingly more physical than yeah. he yeah. Oh, for he, a, for he can really throw his body around. Yeah, and him and Fred were just smashing into each other. <laughs> but there were jewels all over the pitch. You know, there were times when Aaron Wan-Bissaka was getting forward and, and beating his man. I thought there were a lot of encouraging signs from both clubs. However, you can still tell that it's still not a vintage Barca and it's still not a vintage Manchester United because these teams have been at top, top, top and maybe because they've got flaws that allowed for such an open an open game because the goals were actually quite frustrating ones to concede. Marcus Alonso got right up behind Fred. Um, Robert Lewandowski got in front of David De Gea so Rafinha's shot went through. I mean, I can see how it went in but if you're De Gea looking at it again and then there was an own goal at the other end so I think the only truly world-class goal, world-class, was from Marcus. Mm. What do you think of Frankie? Oh, I, I agree with you. He had a quiet game, didn't he? It yeah. wasn't a game where you go, wow, we need to sign this guy again. For 90 oh, sorry, million. Again, try and sign him again. For, yeah, name, name your price. Uh, and listen, he obviously is happy in Barcelona and, and that's why he didn't want to leave in the first place. So maybe it's all a futile exercise anyway. But I, I felt that Tenag... As, as you've alluded to there, Carl, with, with Xavi, uh, you know, praising United, I think perhaps his praise of De Jong was genuine before the game, but also helps to kind of rub somebody up the right way, uh, you know, does, doesn't provoke him before a game like this. And I think he had a particular plan where he was crowding him, wasn't he? There was that bit in the first half where I think three United players were around him at one point and Bruno Fernandes was the one to nick the ball away and actually De Jong slid in and, and conceded a foul. And the, at that point, the Barcelona fans were getting on top because they of the referee because they felt like they were getting unjust decisions. But actually, you know, it, it was a foul. And I think that kind of unsettled De Jong and, and I don't know if he ever really got into his stride in the game. So... Yeah, I think a good plan by Tenag and well executed by his players. It's interesting to watch him come up against an, an English team because Javi used, talked about the, the physical strength, the legs, the energy, the non-stop mentality of the big English teams and you don't get that as often in Spain and Frankie had a taste of that and I think he's a cracking player but it wasn't his, he's had a, it wasn't his best performance tonight. Scores at 2-2, Barcelona mm. possibly without Busquets and Pedri for the second leg and Gavi Manchester, and Gavi Manchester United will go into the second leg and they will have Lissandra Martinez coming back Marcel Sabitzer coming back and possibly some other injury questions coming back as well <laughs> what? Phil Jones? <laughs> you never know Eric? Uh, on balance uh, which manager you think is probably going home happier? Ooh. I think overall Eric Tenag's in the better position, right? Because you're getting back to Old Trafford, you feel like there's a, a, a synergy between the fans and the players in, in that stadium this season. Um, you feel like they'll will the team on whatever the circumstances are in the game. So they've, they've got a bit of an advantage there and just generally it felt like they were the team with the momentum more than Barcelona. And as you say, they've kind of got more options now than, than fewer, which is what... Uh, Xavi's got but then I guess 
in terms of actual satisfaction, Tanag was pretty angry, wasn't he? <laughs> just yeah. so yeah. with the referee, with his own players for not finishing chances. I think I think generally though, he has criticised his players before and, and been quite pointed, particularly after Arsenal, for example, where I think most people felt that was a good account that United gave themselves, but they, they lost the game in the end. I suppose they haven't lost the game here, so that's a, a crucial difference. But generally, I think he felt more more pride in his players. He, he felt quite happy. He, he seemed in between the shooting the barbs to, to the officials. He, he was he he, he, he cut quite. A, a satisfied figure. I agree with every word of that, but I'll say two things. Barca are really good away from home, and I thought the crowd were very supportive here tonight. And I don't think the Old Trafford crowd has been good enough in similar ties against Spanish clubs in recent years at home. Against Sevilla in 2018, Old Trafford was appallingly quiet in the first half. It was as if, oh, they're actually pretty good, they can knock it about. And against Atletico Madrid last year, Manchester United, a much poorer Manchester United, but got a goal in, in Madrid and then came back to Old Trafford and, and Atletico outclassed them. And Barcelona are a better team than Atletico. And I do think Manchester United are the favourites now. I do think Ten Hag will be happier. I do think that Barca will really miss two or three of those players. But Old Trafford has got to do its bit next week as well, big time. You've said this before, haven't you, Andy? You've, mm. you've, you've rallied the troops yeah. and you're kind of provoking people here now that people yeah, listen am. to this podcast. Yeah. It was disgraceful against Seville. Just people sat there going, oh, these Spanish are all right. They can <laughs> knock it about. We're, we're Man United. How can this be happening? It was appalling. The, the one thing I would say there, and, and this isn't an excuse necessarily, but at that moment, United felt like they were above that particular moment, you know, that, that stage or, or that opposition. And I know that actually this is a you know this is a kind of lower rung of the continental ladder, isn't it? Um, but this feels like there's something building, so they, they are going to get behind this team. They they yeah. are. It, it feels like a, an upward arc, so they're not going to be kind of turning up thinking, okay, we can just breeze past Barcelona. It's got to be brilliant. It it was brilliant in '84. It was really really good in 08. Probably '08 was probably the best atmosphere inside Old Trafford so far this century. Do you know that stand opposite is the biggest stand in the world? Even bigger than the Sir Alex Ferguson stand. It's even bigger than the Sir Alex Ferguson. It's the biggest stand in the world. <laughs> I love how Andy just interrupts his own Sorry. thoughts to point out that a piece of stadium, it's notable, stadium isn't it? knowledge that, you know, got we're it. actually in here in an empty stadium. We haven't broken in. I'm, I'm happy at that. A slight thought-provoking question for you. Second leg on Thursday against Barcelona. Mm. Then on the Sunday League Cup final mm. against yeah. Newcastle. Mm. How do you think Ten Hag's going to approach those two starting 11s? Can, can, can you imagine if they win both those games, oh. the atmospheres at those yeah. stadiums? Yeah. Like I, know, I know I'm getting ahead of myself here. No, I'm, I'm with you, I like your enthusiasm, <laughs> but imagine if you lost both of them. No, I'm not, we won't think negative. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> to win a first trophy since I was trying 70. to get carried away there. No, I'm with you. I, I, think, I think he'll, he'll, he'll go strong in both of them, he'll very strong. Yeah. I think he thinks the players want to be playing. The players who maybe have overplayed have had a little rest, like Casemiro, and bring it on. I, I, I really rate Newcastle United. It'll be a completely different game because of how good their defence is. That yeah. said, I went on television last night and predicted a nil-nil tonight, so what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, predict the score draw, it's what I do. <laughs> Right, before we get into Barcelona's second leg and 
Newcastle in the League Cup final. There's also the small matter of Manchester United versus Leicester City this Sunday, otherwise known as the Laurie Whitwell Derby. Ah. Uh, Laurie, any potential news about how uh, Leicester might come to Old Trafford yet? Oh wow, Carl, you really put me on the spot there. I could tell you, I could tell you Leicester's <laughs> starting lineup for the 2015-16 season. Go on, just just talk us through how you think Leicester are going to set up at Old Trafford. Well, and I think just run us through the sus- fair, actually, suspensions and injuries. I will say, Laurie, you have followed, you have done Manchester United versus Leicester in in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. So you are well acquainted with them being annoying and beating United. Well, well, I did watch their game against Tottenham, uh, admittedly on match of the day, which was a surprising thumping for Antonio Conte's team. He comes back and after having a, his, his match out, after beating Man City, and, and they get walloped like that. Where did you watch that? Where were you? I was just at home. All oh, right, okay. You just can't keep track of where you've been the last <laughs> few I, months. To be honest, right. I can't, I'm not even sure I was home. Um, the yeah. fact that Andy Mitten is saying he can't keep track of where yeah. someone is in the this world. This is a pretty yeah, good this, this, triple this threat in it. So, so Sri Lanka. Like last week, Hamburg at the weekend, and now Barcelona. I think in seven days. I think in space seven days. Um, no, but I think uh, Leicester do look in a, in a pretty good way. Um, James Madison uh, scored a really good goal. I think he'll be important player. And, and he's an interesting one, isn't he? I mean, what, what happens to him in, in the summer? I know this isn't what we're directly talking about now, but you know he, he could be one that, because his contract is running down. Um, uh, I think, yeah, they've, they've had struggles, haven't they, this season, Leicester? And you, you wonder if they, they can be got at. But I think since about Fez has come in for them uh, in defence, I think they've looked more solid. And, yeah, I, I, I still think United have got enough for them, though. Got to. There's just been a, a couple of worries the last couple of home matches that is there a lot left in the tank? That game against Crystal Palace, I was a little bit worried mm. about that. Leicester surprised me when Manchester United won there on not on the 1st of September by the talk after the match to Brendan Rodgers about can you stay up? And the negative tone he adopted really surprised me because they'd been a success story and he, he, he was pretty despondent and pretty accurate actually given where their, their league position is. Leicester have had some good results at Old Trafford, haven't they? So, and must win. I think um, if you look at the league table, I know that Manchester City beat Arsenal, but City have lost two games in the league in the last couple in the last month or so against Spurs and a team called the Mighty Manchester United. And I'm 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 sounding uneasy because I'm trying to work out our Manchester United in a possible title race here. I'm, I'm, Ooh, I'm, I'm let's not do I'm that. Probably not. But if, you, if, if you're not going to beat Leicester, you're definitely not. Mm-hmm. That's my point. Okay, <laughs> instead I'll do Andy, are Leicester City a quote-unquote Andy Mitten good team? Were. I mean, they won the league. They were a fantastic team. Won the cup years ago. Yeah, I think, I think they're a good team. They've, they've signed a couple, haven't they, in the January window, which I think was what had got Brendan Rodgers so despondent at the start of the season where it basically seemed like they just weren't putting any money in or weren't yeah, able to. Yeah. Leicester have subsequently, or King Power rather, have subsequently converted a load of the uh, sort of debt that they had into equity. So that's kind of been wiped out. So they've actually given a recommit, re- recommitted to the club. Um, and they've signed Christensen, the defender, and, and Harry Suter as well. Um, he's, from he's, Stoke, who's a good player. He's just, just called this all up on his phone, Carl. Obviously, I, I remember Because your, your question was an hard one. 
I've seen them, but I saw Christensen play against Tottenham. I was like, who's that? And then I saw Suter play, and I knew he'd signed from Stoke. But they, so they've kind of they, they've they've firmed up that defence that looked so porous at previous times this season. And and Ian Acho looks sharper again. Harvey Barnes looks sharp again. Um, and they actually beat Villa four two as well at Villa Park the previous game. So they've got four goals in back to back Premier League games. So and former Leicester defender Danny Simpson oh, is yeah. in Barcelona tonight and wanted the full fan experience. That's what he wanted. He wanted to be with Manchester United fans. He wanted to come over, uh, travel over, and um, well, I've not seen him um, post match. Did I've you? Have, I've, did seen you have him, I've seen him post from Instagram yeah. uh, up in the, the yeah. gods singing you and I to you. Exactly. Well, so that's right. He, he's he been wanted in the mix. He, he wanted uh, the fan experience. Did you ever live in Leicester? No. You spent just, a lot of time there. I drove a lot. Yeah. Did Two you? hours on the A50. Road of Heaven. I yeah. once called that. Uh, Blimey. Right. That's enough Leicester chat. I must admit, Laurie, Andy, I am deeply jealous of the fact both of you got to watch that game in the new camp. So for those that nearly watched this at home, uh, give us a little bit of taste of the flavour of what the new camp was like on Thursday. What were things that you picked out in the massive stadium that perhaps we didn't quite see on TV? They're pulling a great face here. Well, it, well, a it, great uh, face. It, it, it's huge. It's absolutely massive. And to get yeah. 91,000 people, even though the capacity is uh, r- reduced, I was concerned that a lot of good United fans didn't have uh, tickets. The ticket costs were really high, although not in the Manchester United end, so that's got to be viewed as progress. I think it's been a nice couple of days in Barcelona. The weather's been pretty mild, it's been sunny. Laurie and I walked around the town. United fans were were having a, a really good time. Just the scale of this place, and it's going to close down in, in the summer because Barca are moving out of here for a couple of years. So this will be the last time that the Manchester United fans who came over here will will see it in this shape. I Right in front of where we're sitting in the press box, you could see the TV images of the Manchester United players walking out the tunnel. And just on the right-hand side, there's a little chapel. And Nicky Butt said after playing here in 94, he wished he'd gone in that chapel before the game and stayed in there during the game. (laughs) But when I looked at the players tonight, I thought they actually looked pretty confident when they were walking out. And maybe they're going to look confident and sometimes it can get taken apart. But it it was good watching Manchester United go at Barcelona in a stadium where United have never won against Barca. No... Really was hoping that that was going to mm. come off, but you know, not one. But it's good, loud. The home fans were loud tonight. What, what I felt was, and again, I sort of touched on this kind of idea that this this is kind of, you know, you don't really want to be here as Man United and Barcelona. But there was fans like waiting to get in for like a good hour, I reckon. Yeah. Because uh, we, we we got here really early, didn't we? And there's yeah. fans lining up along the railings. Uh, and they, and they don't let them in until like like ninety minutes before kickoff, yeah. which feels quite late late really. But um, and yeah, so but they they felt eager to get in. It, it, it felt like and to be fair, it was a really I, I thought there was going to be some empty seats as you were saying before the game about the fact that they weren't letting United fans in section. So I thought oh there's going to be loads of empty seats then if they're turning people away on, on the door. And they might have done a bit of that, but actually come kickoff it was full. Filled up. And and the, the the section behind the goal was really noisy the whole way through. Uh, buoyant with flags and drums and you know that kind of section where you've got the guy at the front leading leading the uh, the chorus almost um, and, and also what this bit so there's a bit yeah. of the new camp that has been 
took taken out in the third tier. It was like yeah. just a seg segment just lifted up. Is that so? Is that to be renovated then? Yeah, it's it's so structurally they can get ahead of themselves doing the renovation, and they figured that they can live with only having ninety two thousand seats, <laughs> and they can get by. They 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 started that in like uh, September, so that was the reason for. Them, them doing that and Andy's touched on our um, little walk around the city centre earlier and we actually had uh, lunch with my old swimming coach a guy called Sean Kelly uh, who used to coach he was a great lad Sean Proper United fan I liked him a lot Stockport Metro uh, and we you know as he was saying to you four Olympic medalists from Stockport Metro and five in the whole history of Spain so he's now in charge of, of yeah. Spain's swimming programme L- Laurie was a good swimmer Carl well no this is what I was going to ask you, no, you, Did, well, you is, that, no, is that the vibe you no, got seriously and I, I know like I'll, I'll proper rip it out of you but <laughs> I didn't realise how good a swimmer you were I just thought you like got in a paddling pool in your garden and splashed about for a bit but you used to go swimming what how many times a week N- nine times nine a week nine times a week at your peak when I was 12 13. when you were 12 yeah when I was when I was a chubby kid when I first came here in '99. So you must have been one of the you were one of the kids that turned up to school smelling of chlorine because yeah, you were doing yeah, early morning. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my hair Excellent. used to be so matted, which is I think maybe why I, I grew it long because I was like, right, if it's going to fall out at some point for all the chlorine. Did you hear that? <laughs> we've got some we've got some interlopers into the podcast. I think he wants to get a piece of talk of the devils. Um, so that's why I think I grew it long. I had curtains when I was a kid, you know. It was the look back then, but I think I, I sort of grew it long because I was, I was scared that it was going to fall out from all the chlorine. But yeah, I'm glad that you, you drew that from it because actually yeah. anyone that knows me from swimming probably knows that I'm, I'm not actually very good. But in the in that in that sphere, uh, you know, better than your average, I suppose. Well, there you have it. Talk of the devils, one of a kind Manchester United podcast. We start talking about travel trips on Ryanair. We talk about world class <laughs> football strikers, and we end it are talking about uh, curtains and swimming. Laurie, uh, there's an on-whistle match of the piece on The Athletic right now. Have you started writing your match debrief yet? Uh, I've started writing the first paragraph, and okay. it's going to be about the kind of what we're talking about here, the adventure that this feels like, whereas you know it might have been seen as a, an additional competition that United could have done without, and, and the focus should be elsewhere on, on qualifying for the Champions League, actually away to Barcelona this was a really enjoyable experience that a load of fans will remember a load of players will remember Marcus Rashford certainly will and it feels like the stepping stone to you know progress under Eric Ten Hag so touching on a few bits tactically and, and just but more, more generally the kind of feel of, of this adventure that, that hopefully United are going on Sounds fantastic Andy have you got any new pieces cooking for the Athletic subscriber? Um, I have um, I've done a couple this week I did a big one on losing 4-0 here in 94. I did a guide to Barcelona as well, which was which excellent. A, a lot of a lot of feedback on, and I am working on a couple of other pieces. I'm just not sure if my editors will appreciate me <laughs> saying what they are right now. But one of them I really enjoyed doing. It was an interview with somebody, and I think we were just waiting for the two Barcelona games to to, to pass and then um, to put them out. But my takeaway from this is. It feels like Manchester United. If you think a year ago, right, United went to Leeds away and won and then didn't win a game until, what, August, Southampton. And the difference between the end of last season and the middle of this season is so significant. You're seeing players who are confident, turning up on the biggest stage. And I still think that while Barcelona have had the troubles, if you ask most Manchester United players, would you swap like for like now on the same salary and move to Barcelona? I think you'd be surprised how many would say yes. 
And so to come here and to go at them right from the first minute, because I think Wampasaka put a ball straight over early on, was just a joy to watch. I've seen United get really taken apart here. Seen Manchester United lose European Cup finals to Barcelona. So I'm still a little bit scarred by that. So clawed a little bit back tonight. I just hope that at Old Trafford, and I think at Old Trafford, we can do another skull shin, bang, 1-0, <laughs> move on to the next round and get, you know, FC dog and duck, bring us right down to reality <laughs> that we're in the Europa League again. I mean, we're talking right now, Juventus are playing Nantes, so I need to go double-check that result in case a certain somewhat might be ready for a return to Old Trafford instead. Anyway... Listener, if you are intrigued by anything Laurie's just mentioned for his piece or anything Andy's already written, that is already on the website, don't forget you, you can subscribe for a special podcast price of £1.99 per month for a year when you subscribe to The Athletic using the code theathletic.com slash manunitedpod. That is theathletic.com slash manunitedpod, the special podcast price of £1.99 per month for an entire year on The Athletic. It's got some of the best sports writers around uh, and once a week I write about United as well. So, yeah, you can enjoy. Before we wrap up, it is nearing 11pm in Barcelona, and I'm sure Laurie needs to take Andy somewhere to drink mm. some sort of fantastic cocktail before he fails his piece. But Him, him take me for somewhere? Give over. I've read your guide, I'm going to use it and, and then you know, claim it's my own information. To... Before you find a great... I'm going to take him into the roughest little bar near the stadium and watch him go up and try and order some fancy drink and everyone just look at him. That's what I'm going to do. That's the Olympic Stadium over there, by the way. The tower with the things. <laughs> He's done it again. He's just pointing out another random thing mid-sentence. Mid what we're here for. Knowledge. <laughs> to point out one extra thing, listener, uh, we're going to be back on Monday where we're going to be able to catch up with other news around Manchester United. Not just the Leicester City result, but also what may be an accelerating story about the sale of Manchester United. Uh, the Athletics also ran a fan survey on that subject that should make for interesting reading. Laura, you've been going through that, haven't you? Yes, uh, we actually got a really good uh, response. Um, 7,000 people came back to us, which I know is not like a definitive uh, sample size for a club the scale of Manchester United, but given these are subscribers, so people that have um, you know paid for the privilege of, of reading our stuff and we're so grateful that you have done that, um, I think it feels like quite a, a valuable uh, pool to, to draw from. Um, and yeah, the results are, are pretty interesting. We, we kind of asked them questions about who would you like to take over, how important is human rights, uh, how, would, would you mind being owned by a sovereign wealth fund, that kind of thing. Yeah, these are very kind of topical issues. And actually the results are, are pretty interesting. So I won't spoil them just yet. So, so go on the website and have a look. Um, but obviously this is, this is time to coincide with the first, the soft deadline, whatever you want to call it, of bids to come in for the club um, so yeah there's so much claim and counterclaim. We, we, we touch on a little bit of this in the uh, survey that I've written up um, the, the kind of the, the runners and riders so to speak and I know there's a lot of noise about Qatar at the moment so Jim Ratcliffe's the only person that's publicly declared you know we, we're hearing about uh, potential uh, approaches from Saudi Arabia as well uh, how that is all going to uh, unravel itself with the rules on, uh, you know, uh, separation between uh, owners of clubs that are in the Champions League. I mean, you know, there's, there's lawyers at play clearly here, where they're going to sort of find out how these different things can coexist. Um, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, there's a little bit more information in there about the, the, the situation. But the the fact that you've got this deadline here, it's a 5 p.m. Uh, US Eastern Time deadline, so 10 p.m. in the UK, and uh, it might not necessarily be the big uh, reveal moment, um, but I think it will be a, a sort of significant signpost in where Manchester United is heading. So it's one to keep an eye on for the website and all the developments throughout the day. 
we look forward to the results of that fan survey and we also look forward to hopefully a good result against Leicester City and the second leg of Manchester United versus Barcelona. Other than that, I think that's another episode or talk of levels all wrapped. Thank you for joining us. You need to go have a, a lovely uh, Dos Cerveza, por favor. <laughs>